Hey, you hungry? This hockey season, Domino's has you covered. How about enjoying the game with a large four-topping pizza for only $11.99? But Domino's is more than just pizza. Add in some delicious side dishes like pasta or chicken wings. And don't forget to try the irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Whether it's watching the big game, in a hurry, or just because. Trust Domino's to satisfy that hunger. Head on over to dominoes.ca to order now. That's dominoes.ca. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. The Stanley Cup playoffs roll along. Welcome to TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara with you for the next hour Follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. We'll post all the links. If you miss anything there, you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes as well as on the TSN1050.ca show page. Big show for you today as we kind of look to wrap up round one and look ahead to round two of the NHL playoffs. Travis Yost will join me in just a moment. Scott Cullen from TSN.ca after that with Heroes and Zeros. Some fantasy hockey talk with senior fantasy editor from NHL.com, Pete Jensen, as well as James Myrtle, editor-in-chief from the Athletic Toronto. He is live from Boston. And joining me live right now in the Domino's delivery line where you can get a medium feast pizza for just $10.99, folks. Get it for the big games tonight. Domino's.ca. It is Travis Yost. Travis, how's it going, bud? I'm doing good, Andy. How you doing today? I am doing well. Let's let's start with last night's action around the league. You got the Jets with an exclamation point. Five nothing shutout to advance to the second round, but the Flyers and the Avalanche both hold off elimination with impressive wins. When you look at Philly and Colorado, do they pose any actual threat to the Penguins and Predators or was that just delaying the inevitable? Uh, man, I think it's delaying the inevitable. However, half credit is to Colorado. I mean, you could have made a very compelling argument, and I think you still can, that Nashville's the best team in the NHL. And, you know, I think I think you could be nitpicky and say, oh, maybe it's Pittsburgh close or Tampa Bay close or Boston close. But I, and Nashville basically start to finish has been, in my opinion, the most impressive team this year. And, and all due, you know, all due respect to how, how strong the Predators are, the Avalanche are giving them problems. And, and a lot of this has to do with that Nathan McKinnon line and the fact that they can actually match speed for speed, and then again, when you're when you're the lowest seeded team and you're facing you know a Stanley Cup favorite, you kind of need things to break your way a little bit, and you, you couldn't write the script. Although we've already written it once before, Andrew Hammond comes in and what did he, he forty four of forty five saves after. I mean, think, think about this guy's career trajectory. A, tw- a random 20-game win streak from a guy who had no NHL, seri- uh, no serious NHL future or career. Right. Comes into Ottawa, goes on this 20-game incredible run with a ridiculous save percentage, then washes out of the league. I mean, a complete afterthought, had horrible performance numbers down in the AHL, and it looked like his career was over. And then he gets called up by sheer fluke because Varlamov and Bernier are unavailable. And Andrew Hammond comes in and has, I would, would it be fair to say, maybe the best goaltending performance of the playoffs this year? I well, mean, yeah. 40, 45, and Nashville had a ton of scoring chances in that game. So, you know, I, I, I think I think Pittsburgh and Nashville are ultimately too good to lose two consecutive games here down the stretch and get knocked out. But the, the cool thing about the NHL playoff format is, you know, if you're down 3-2 and you're, and you're the road team, you're getting game six at home. 
which means, you know, Colorado has a, a decent chance, I think, to actually push this to Game 7. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not as confident in Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia's wins that they've picked up have more – I don't want to say flukes because that sounds cruel, but um, they, they've been outplayed in most of those games, and they have had a couple wins. They've got good fight in them, but it, they, they have not looked the better team in really in any part of that series. Yeah. Whereas Colorado, man, hey, Colorado is skating with Nashville from time to time, so hats off to them. Yeah, I'm with you. It just feels with that Pittsburgh Philly series that it's just a matter of time when the Penguins decide to finish them off. You know, like you just don't have that confidence that the Flyers can actually overtake them. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I, there's just too many holes in the Flyers yeah, lineup, right? and yeah. I rate I rate the top half of their lineup really, really well. I mean, what was it three weeks ago? We were on here talking about how serious of a Hart Trophy candidate, in my opinion, Claude Giroux is, mm-hmm. and, and, and Sean Couturier, Jacob Voracek. You know they're they're top pairing. They've they've really had incredible seasons, and they're they're part of the reason why they're still in the series. But it, the bottom of the lineup is just it's just un, unfortunately it's not good enough in 2017 2018 to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now a year or two from now, maybe Philadelphia is in a much better shot to to take that uh, to take that type of series. But I, I just think there's too many holes in the lineup for to, to for us not to believe that Pittsburgh won't expose them in the next two games. In conversation with Travis Yost from TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost, joining me on the Domino's delivery line. So, Travis, after seemingly knocking out the Washington Capitals, the Blue Jackets have come back down to earth, and the Caps have come back, and now they have the series tied at two games apiece. Has Washington convinced you in these past two games that they're capable of consistently being the better team in this series, or is this one still a coin flip to you? Yeah, I think this is the point flip. And I think this was going to, I think we've talked about this, that this was going to be the most competitive or even yeah. series of, of the eight that we had in the first round. I, even the, even if you looked at the sports books, I mean, the, Columbus was a, a substantially lower-seeded team, and I think they were close to pick them if you bet them in a, in a sports book, which basically more or less is saying that the series is a toss. Um, and it, and I, I kind of felt the same way. Actually, Columbus is a marginally better team here for for a variety of reasons, but I have to give credit to Washington here because down 2-0 going on the road, uh, that is pretty much the worst spot you could possibly pick for, for a team in the playoffs. And their their big guns have stepped up in a big way, and I think Columbus has kind of melted a little bit under with uh, with higher expectations. Uh, John Tortorella, is, yes, he is want to do, deliver unbelievable comments. I, I think he was... I think he pretty much said any question about the game he wasn't going to answer because he, his, his response was more or less, we sucked and there's nothing to analyze and we're moving on um, and we laid an egg. So I, I do think, I, I just read Alex, Alex Weinberg is coming back into the lineup for Columbus. Give him a little, uh, a new wrinkle that I think, I, I think uh, him and Tormel have kind of had an on-off, hot-cool relationship this year, but I, I think another one that. I think, I think Tortorella's had a... Why I think, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I think Tortorella's had a hot, cold relationship with pretty much everybody. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's thanks for the understatement of the century, Trap. <laughs> you, you gave me nothing additional there. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, Travis, let's let's look at here um, the Pacific Division. We know it's been slimmed down by two teams with the Golden Knights still shocking the world, sweeping the Kings. Sharks advance after sweeping the Ducks. Now we have that one second-round matchup to look ahead to. How equipped are the Sharks to deal with the speed and skill of Vegas, do you think? I think they're pretty well equipped. I think that series is going to be very close. I actually think San Jose could be one of the teams that really gives Vegas a lot 
well, I, the biggest issue in that in that first round series was L.A. really had no offensive threat whatsoever against Vegas, and they didn't have the speed to match with Vegas, and so every shift was played in the L.A. zone. San Jose, their top six can fly, and they have really, really strong playmakers to boot on top of that. So, again, I mean, this is what you would kind of expect in the second round and beyond. You're going to have really good teams playing really good teams. That, that San Jose team, the one thing I would say about them, and I, I, I think I underestimated them a little bit going into that Anaheim series, this is a different San Jose team than the team we saw all year. It's almost like you need to grade them in the last 20-some-odd games because they've gotten more healthy. They now have Evander Kane in the lineup, and he is well-established. And if you actually look at how this team has played in the last 25 or 30 games of the season, they are, in my opinion, materially better than, than where they were maybe for the first 50 or 55, where they kind of looked a little old, maybe a little top-heavy. Uh, it's a different team, a different animal. You know, Vegas still has home ice, and they still really have a speed advantage, I think, in the series. But uh, this San Jose team, I, I think we saw in the Anaheim series, they can give you fits. How would they end? They, they won, one game ended up 8-1 in a playoff game. You just don't see that very frequently. Um, they, they tortured Anaheim for four games, and I, I think that is a series that you can, you can pretty much kiss that one as the seventh gamer because I think that's going to be super, super close. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. In conversation with Travis Yost from tsn.ca on the Domino's Pizza delivery line, get fed tonight with Domino's.ca. So let's go local here, Travis. Maple Leafs failed to seize the opportunity to tie their first-round series with the Bruins despite Boston missing Patrice Bergeron in Game 4. Can you pinpoint where the Leafs have stumbled most in these playoffs? Is it the lack of defense that we talked about all season long, the goaltending being iffy, inopportune offense? What do you think has has been missing coming off of that historic 105-point season? Well, I think this cuts two ways. So we know the weakness. We know the weakness is defensively, right? that's That's been a known commodity all season long. But if you knew that that was a weakness going in, the one thing needed from this team was electric playmaking and goal scoring. And Toronto has had one of the most prolific offenses all year long. It's the reason why they had 105 points in the regular season. The offense hasn't been there. Tuukka Rask has been great, and Boston has more or less slowed them down the entire series. And I think that's that's when, if the Leafs do end up losing this series, I think that's going to be the frustrating part of the postmortem for Lou and Kyle and and Brendan and, and the whole front office is, why did our offense, again, disappear in the playoffs? Now, again, I think you have to take into consideration how good Boston is as a team, especially in the defensive third. But, you know, in the same breath, one year ago, we watched that Boston team get lit up in a five-game series. So it's like, how much, how much better are they really? I mean, I think they are better, but for a Toronto team that scored pretty much at will all regular season, that, to me, if I'm a Leafs fan, that's the most frustrating part. My... My big guns have largely been ineffective, or they have been you know, reasonably effective, but they just haven't had the goals fall. Either way, they're not scoring enough to win this series, and I think that's going to be the, the – if they don't turn this around, that is going to be the reason why they're sitting at home in round two is because the offense failed them when they needed the most, and, of course, the defense that has been an issue pretty much all year uh, remained an issue against Boston. Last one for you here, Travis. Do you feel like the playoffs are a little bit off this year? Because normally the first round is the best time of the NHL playoffs. Multiple games every night and, and back and forth, and, and you're questioning how the how the results are going to go. And, and really, outside of Columbus and the, the uh, Washington Capitals, everything's kind of gone according to plan. Like, there hasn't been that much drama, per se. And it's not only that it went according to plan. It's that, like, look at the West. Three of those four series, let's be honest, they were not competitive. 
Minnesota won one game, and they were pretty much ran out of the building. L.A. could not generate a scoring chance to save their life or a goal, for that matter. Worst offense we've seen in a playoff team in a decade, regardless if you're looking at goals or scoring chances. And Anaheim I mean, made, it, made an absolute fit of themselves. Not only were they completely outplayed, but, you know, the game three drama in San Jose, they're, just, they're, they're taking shots at every Sharks player. Uh, you know, a dirty play after dirty play. It's three of those four games alone, or three of those four series alone in the Western Conference were largely non-competitive. And, and, and I don't know that we necessarily expected them to be, you know, super close series. But, yeah, I, I expected Anaheim to win a couple games. I expected LA yeah. to win a couple games. I expected Minnesota to put up a little bit more of a chance. And we didn't get any of that in the West. And, and I, I was thinking about this, this question earlier in the week. The West has actually created a lot of this mess. I think you are going to have some payback here in round two because if we do get Nashville, Winnipeg, and we already have San Jose, Vegas, that's that's two really good, pretty even matchups. I, I think you're going to see some really fun stuff out there. Well, we'll have to see how the rest of the first round shakes out. Travis, thank you so much. All right, take care, Randy. All right, see you, bud. Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Check out all his fine work there and a must-follow on Twitter at Travis Yost. We're going to go with heroes and zeros and swing around the National Hockey League with Scott Cullen from TSN after the break. A lot more coming up. TSN Hockey Analytics. Back to that cross. This beer beat with the puck by Crosby. Wrapped it in behind the net. Crosby cuts it and scores. And Michael Neubert was looking one way. Crosby came out from below the goal line the other. And Crosby departs his fifth goal of the series. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. Andy McNamara with you. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes if you miss any of the shows there or on the TSN 1050.ca show page. We tweet out all the links on Twitter as well at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. Still to come in the show, we'll have Pete Jensen, senior fantasy editor from NHL.com. And I'll tweet out the link to our customized Thanks to Domino's, our customized DraftKings Hockey Analytics contest for today's games. How about that? You can win real cash. We'll tee that up in a few minutes. James Myrtle, editor-in-chief from The Athletic Toronto, live from Boston uh, at around 12.45-ish as well. But joining me now on the Domino's delivery line where you can get a 10.99 medium feast pizza, the variety, the choice of toppings, phenomenal. Check it out at dominoes.ca and get ready for tonight's games. Scott Cullen. Scotty, how's it going? Awesome. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing well, man. Hey, you know what? Let's get right to it. Let's go. For the best, best and worst of the NHL this week, Hockey Analytics, Heroes and Zeros, with Scott Cullen and Andy McNamara. All right. Well, the first hero off of a suspension, Josh Morrissey. <laughs> hey, now. That's right. I, I, I kind of dug a little deep on the heroes this week, and um I don't think Josh Morrissey got a whole lot of attention until he cross-checked Eric Stahl on the side of the head and, <laughs> and earned that suspension. Like He deserved a suspension, deserved no doubt. Uh, but uh, in the first four games of that series with, with Morrissey on the ice, Jets were getting 68% of the shots and 72% of the scoring chances, which is ridiculously lopsided, particularly for the guy who's playing on a shutdown pair. Uh, so he goes up against Minnesota's best, best scoring lines. and um, So I just wanted to... You know, point out that Josh Morrissey is a little bit more than just a guy who cross-checks people in the header. <laughs> right. He can do more. He can do, yeah. he can do more than that. The other hero, Jake Gardner. And when you think defense and Maple Leaf so far in these playoffs, a, a defenseman doesn't typically come to mind, but Jake Gardner is your hero. Well, he, he is in, you know, with an explanation. Um, 
obviously, you know, he had that pinch in the last game that, that set off a two-on-one, and uh, we know the Maple Leafs apparently can't play two-on-ones, and, um, <laughs> and that led, led to their downfall. But uh, so far in this series, the Leafs are getting 59% of the shots and 65% of the scoring chances with Gardner on the ice. Like, to do that against the Bruins, that's an accomplishment. And um, I think, you know, if you, if you had more guys who, who were uh, driving play in that way, um, you know, the, the results might be a little bit more favorable. And, and even uh, to to the pinch in that last game, Gardner had a really sound explanation. I mean, the execution wasn't right, but he knew that the, the Bruins had been on for an icing. So the guys who were on the ice for the Bruins were tired. And, and you know, he calculated that the risk was worth trying to keep it in because you'd really hem in this tired uh, group. Unfortunately, he didn't get the puck or the man, and away they went, and uh, we know how it turned out. But uh, it, it's not like he, he didn't have a, a real thought process in, in what he was doing. Just the execution didn't work on that one play. And the thing is, this is the history of Jay Gardner in Toronto. We always remember those plays, right? The plays right. where he messes up are like they're glaring and everyone notices, but we, we don't take notice of the fact that, you know, the Leafs typically get a shot against the Bruins, but not when Jay Gardner's on the ice. Well, and I like that, Scotty, because it does show a maturity in the fact that he it wasn't reckless. It wasn't just he was trying to make a, a play on the fly. There was a thought process to that. And as you said, it just didn't work out. Absolutely. Like that, to me, that, when, I, when I heard his quote about that, I, I, I kind of gave him uh, bonus points for mm-hmm. it because he, he was thinking about uh, a, a deeper part of the strategy coming off that icing. So those were the heroes. Now to the zeros. And Charlie Coyle from the now eliminated Minnesota Wild starts it off. Well, I mean, we, we, we can list a whole bunch of the wild, but Charlie yeah. Coyle is going to get uh, the real knot here. He had no points in the series. Oof. 32% Corsi, 23.5% of the scoring chances. Like, that's ridiculously uh, lopsided in, in favor of Winnipeg with Charlie Coyle on the ice. And the thing is, you know, Minnesota, you know, Coyle is a you know, moderately productive player. Uh, but one of the things is he's a big power forward that uh, – you kind of hang your hat on as, oh, he's the guy that you can count on when the playoffs roll around and the games get more physical and, and it gets harder to find open ice. Charlie Coyle is the guy you can count on. Well, that certainly didn't uh, happen against Winnipeg. And maybe some of the cases that Winnipeg's big enough that they can handle a guy like Charlie Coyle. They certainly did this year. And the final zero, Corey Perry. And if you look just the last couple of years, Scotty, during the regular season, like we've seen Corey Perry really drop off since his 2015-16 season at 34 goals. 19 goals last year, 17 this season, and he makes the, the zeros list in his playoff series for the now defunct Ducks. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he was held off the score sheet again, and, and there, there are plenty of guys on the Ducks that we could list that, that didn't produce, but... Um, you know, Perry's a guy who's making $8.5 million against the cap. They need him to produce. Um, you know, he was outscored 5 nothing at even strength, took four minor penalties, and that, that's one of the, the things that kind of, you know, hangs over the Ducks is that when things are going poorly for them, guys like uh, Getzlaff and Perry, uh, they tend to lose their cool, and, and they take bad penalties, and, and it just makes, makes their uh, plight even worse. And so uh, that... You know that that sort of was driven home in that series against San Jose. That um, not only was Perry not producing. I mean, he did have he had 12 shots on goal in four games, so it's not like he wasn't around the net getting chances. But that lack of production and, and series of bad penalties that that was basically emblematic of Anaheim's problems in the first round. 
Yep, and it cost them, and now they are going home. So that's that's it. That's it for the Ducks, and that's it for Heroes and Zeros on the Domino's delivery line. Scott Collin joining me. Go to dominoes.ca. Get your pizza tonight uh, on Twitter at TSN Scott Collin. So, Scotty, let's do a couple of bonus Heroes and Zeros here from your Statistically Speaking column, which you can find Monday to Friday on tsn.ca. And you got to love Listen, the, the Winnipeg goaltending phenomenal and it's been great all year and Connor Hellebuck with a 924 save percentage in that playoff in that first round series like what can we think about about Hellebuck as far as uh, what to expect the rest of the way and what he's done so far this season like what a run well yeah and and the thing was that um like I, I was kind of jumping on Winnipeg's bandwagon earlier like like say last year uh because I thought Hellebuck was ready to mm-hmm. to take over as their starting goaltender and and really, it was a team that just needed a solid starting goaltender before they were, you know, ready to contend. And he wasn't quite ready for the for the job. And um, and you know, and it, it's funny how this works out, right? Because Winnipeg goes into the the off season, they get Steve Mason as a free agent. They think, okay, well, that's the answer to our goaltender. Well, Steve Mason had like two or three starts at the beginning of the year that were terrible. Uh, then he got hurt, and Hellebuck came in, and all of a sudden, the Hellebuck was ready to to handle this starting role. And and true enough, the, the Jets became a really good team as long as you gave them competent goaltending. And that's, um, you know, Hellebuck is certainly more than competent. I mean, he, he's a finalist for the Vesna. I'm not sure I would have him that high because one of the um, one of the things you can see is that the Jets have done a really good job protecting him when he's in there. Like they they keep shots uh, away from the front of the net, which. Uh, I mean, look, every team tries to do it, but Winnipeg's been successful. Um, and and so I think, you know, Hellebuck is being, you know, at the stage of his career that he is, this is, I, I think, just the, the starting point for him. You know, what, you know we'll see how, how long this playoff run goes, but I, I think, you know, given the, the caliber of team in front of him and the, you know, a lot of good young quality players, is that he's just going to grow with them. And, you know, we're probably going to see a whole lot of playoff runs from Connor Hellebuck before it's all said and done. Like overall, Scotty, last one here. Uh, how confident do you feel with the Winnipeg Jets? Like, as far as like what you've seen moving forward, like is this team like I'm getting kind of that that special feel out of this Jets team? Oh yeah, like I, I mean, coming into the playoffs, uh, to me, Nashville and Winnipeg were the two best teams, and I mean, uh, you know, Nashville has probably underwhelmed so far, uh, allowing um, Colorado to hang around as right. long as they have. Um, but I mean, that that's kind of been earmarked here for the second round is that you're going to have a Nashville uh, Winnipeg uh, matchup, which is a, it's way too soon for, for the teams of that caliber, but the team that comes out of that is probably the team that should be favored to win the cup. And, and, you know, given, given where Winnipeg is, they're, they're in a better position right now than Nashville. You know, maybe, maybe Winnipeg has uh, that slight edge uh, as the team favored to win the cup, which is, it's so strange for for a team that had no playoff victories to all of a sudden be in that position. <laughs> yeah, to just keep rolling along. <laughs> all right, Scotty. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy the games tonight, and we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Thank you, Andy. All right. Thank you, Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. Again, check his work Monday to Friday. Statistically speaking, and he does he does so much, not just hockey, too. All the sports. Must follow on Twitter, folks, at TSN Scott Cullen. After the break, some fantasy hockey talk. Pete Jensen, senior fantasy editor from NHL.com, joins me as well as a special Hockey Analytics DraftKings contest just for our listeners. Coming up next, TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Wheeler. 
Looking back to the right point, gets it to Stasty, tightly scores! Wheeler looked back to Bufflin and then sends it down to Stasty into the high slot to Shifley, much like the first goal of this series. And the Winnipeg Jets have a 5-0 lead here in the third period. And that's how that game would wrap up. Winnipeg advances. Minnesota goes home. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara, and we are delivered by Domino's Pizza on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. You can subscribe and rate us on iTunes as well as the TSN1050.ca show page. Let's get into some fantasy hockey talk here for your pool, if you're playing DraftKings, whatever. I got the guy for you. Senior fantasy editor from NHL.com making his TSN Hockey Analytics debut, Pete Jensen. Pete, how's it going, man? Doing great, Andy. And, uh, yeah, you guys do a great show, so happy to be part of it. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, our, our uh, friend uh, James Harding, he's uh, in Florida, so thank you so much for jumping on here. So we've, we do this, this segment with uh, Harding, Stock Up, Stock Down, and we got a nice little sting to set that up. Let's go. Stock Up, Stock Down. So, two Stock Up players so for this weekend, for Saturday, Sunday, whatever combo you want, two players that people should look to slot into their fantasy lineup. Yeah, definitely TJ Oshie. You look at his price in DraftKings and classic contests. It's only $5,000. This guy has bounced back in the playoffs. He had kind of an underwhelming regular season as the top six and top nine of Washington kind of underachieved. But this guy, he was a beast in game four, uh, scored a goal on the power play, had three shots on goal. He had another big game in the series. I just love for that price point, $5,000. You get the first unit power play exposure to Alex Ovechkin and John Carlson, and then you get that second-line exposure with Nicholas Backstrom. So Oshie's a no-brainer for me for that price point. And then another guy's trending up, we have to mention him, Andrew Hammond, Colorado Avalanche. You assume he's going to get the start in Game 6, regardless of whether Jonathan Bernier is held or not. He filled in as good as anyone could have ever imagined uh, in the Game 5 road victory, 44 saves. You look back to what he did a couple of years ago, has that ability to uh, be streaky and I think with how good Colorado has been in home games, regular season and playoffs as well, you got to roll him out regardless. I think maybe his price will go up a little bit uh, but he has a 940 save percentage in four career playoff appearances which is outstanding and uh, I mean the Avalanche are trending right now in the right direction. They're really uh, making life difficult for the top seeded Predators. Yeah, see if they can force a Game 7. So those are the two stock up. Two players stock down that we should be avoiding. Yeah, Mikhail Sergachev's uh, price has dipped considerably compared to the regular season. I'd still avoid him, though. He's, mm. and he provides cheap exposure to the Lightning offense uh, for this potential clincher Game 5 on Saturday. But he's averaging fewer than 10 minutes per game right now. Really, the only upside is that second power play usage. His role has diminished here in the playoffs, so I'm avoiding Sergachev. And then, uh, you know, you look at the goaltenders, uh, Toronto's Frederick Anderson. You always look for, uh, when you pick a goalie in DFS, especially in the playoffs on these small game contests, you want guys to return value even if they lose the game. And Frederick Anderson has yet to provide that really in his losses. He's had an 875 save percentage or worse. Each of the three losses, which really does nothing for you in DraftKings, 
So I think this game, even if the Leafs end up falling the upset and forcing game six, I think it will be on the high score side. So I would fade Frederick Anderson. So don't rely on Freddie Anderson. That was Stock Up, Stock Down. Pete Jensen, Senior Fantasy Editor from NHL.com, joining me on the Domino's Delivery Line. Guys, how about for the game tonight? Get yourself a ten ninety nine medium face pizza. Tons of topping options or a large four topping for eleven ninety nine. Side dishes, pasta, boneless chicken, marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Get it all at dominoes.ca. So, Pete, one of the new games that DraftKings has rolled out for the playoffs is the showdown style. So you actually pick fantasy players from a a specific game. So, for example, tonight, Boston-Toronto, and it's all flex spots. So if you don't want to pick a goaltender at all, if it's like you said and you think it's going to be high scoring, you can avoid that. It's just the actual player portion. Now, we were talking before, and uh, with with good reason, you pointed out your lineup is really going to change based on uh, if Patrice Pergeron plays or not. Now, he skated this morning, but still unknown. So you got to really track that. If he does play, is he an automatic slot in for you, or are you still, okay, he's questionable, is he 100%? Like, where, where are you with that? I think if he, I, he's, you know, he's a top-priced guy. I think you have to spend up for him on this slate uh, with how it counts face-off, uh, face-off mm-hmm. wins. You look at his high floor and shots on goal and also the high likelihood that he'll get you points. I mean, in these showdown contests, from what I've been seeing, if you, if you can guarantee yourself a point, uh, your, your total uh, you know, point for the whole contest is just going to skyrocket even more so than just getting two points for an assist in DraftKings in a, in a classic contest or three for a goal. You really can pad your stats if you can guarantee the points. So, yeah, I would slot in Patrice Bergeron. Obviously, be vigilant uh, as you get closer. I'm sure he's definitely in. It sounds like he's going to be in. Uh, but, yeah, I would go Bergeron. I also like spending up for Austin Matthews, who has that high shot, uh, that high shot volume. I know he's getting a lot of heat for his uh, one goal on 17 shots, but I think he'll have a chance to break through here, and he takes face-offs as well. Um, I really like the Boston defenseman, whether it's Charlie McAvoy or Dan O'Chara. Their price points in these shows really low. Chara had a monster game or series and has provided a high in terms of blocks and shots. And one guy for all contests, I, uh, I'm slotting in Nazem Kadri because ah. I think Kadri is really um, come out firing here uh, after the suspension. He's a workhorse. Uh, way centerman and I think because it counts face-offs because his likelihood of getting in on the spring and just helping the Toronto offense in general I think he's a must-start player regardless of DFS format for game five yeah I like that with Kadri as well because he is a guy who likes playing on that uh, cliche edge he's going to be right on that line coming back so he'll be he'll be out firing I like that one a lot so that's for the, the showdown-style contest at DraftKings.com. Now, Pete, we have DraftKings and Domino's just provided us our own Hockey Analytics custom DraftKings contest. So you go to DraftFree.com, DraftFree.com. If you're not signed up for DraftKings, you sign up there. And it's free to enter, but you can deposit whatever, 5 10 bucks, whatever, play the other games too. But you go to DraftFree.com, play in the contest. Now, this this is a, the, the little bit of a, a, of a different one here where we go in a tier 
format. So six tiers, and you pick out of each tier which player you think is going to do the best. So it's all the games for Saturday, but it's not necessarily, it's it's not price-based. It's on who you think is going to get the most points. So let's roll through a couple of those tiers. We got number one, we have Avechkin, so Washington versus Columbus. We got Taylor Hall, and then Kucherov in Tampa Bay and New Jersey. Who do you like most out of that trio? I like Kucherov. I think it's just the safest uh, Ridiculous numbers in the season series, including the playoffs against Tampa, against uh, New Jersey, 12.7 games. I'm going with the safe pick there in Kucherov. He's kind of a guy in regular contests that you might uh, hesitate to spend up for, but when the prices are not in play here, I think he's the safest pick for sure. So go Kucherov. Then we'll do one more tier here. We got uh, Brad Marchand in Boston versus Toronto. Austin Matthews, who you mentioned already. Pasternak, who's... Oh. Been a beast through these playoffs. Stamkos with Tampa Bay, and then uh, Panarin with uh, with Columbus. Out of that group, who do you think? I mean, in, you have steers in this contest. You can take some chances in the other ones, but for right now, with how Boston's top line is playing, I would go Pasternak because I think he has the highest ceiling of the bunch. Uh, he has advanced a multi-point game pretty much every night out against the Leafs, and uh, I just think it's such a favorable matchup, slam dunk type. So I would go Pasternak. All right, sure. to go Pasternak there. and uh, So again, you can go to draftfree.com, play in our hockey analytics DraftKings contest for today's games, for the Saturday games. Tweet us. Uh, hey, we're, we're, we're not beyond talking trash. You can t- tweet uh, at NHL Jensen for Pete, myself at AndyMC81. I'll tweet the link out from my, my Twitter and the shows at TSN Analytics. So play along. Pete, real pleasure having you on, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much, and uh, enjoy the games today. Busy day of the yes. playoffs. A lot uh, of fun. All right, you too. Thanks, Pete. All right, that is Pete Jensen, senior fantasy editor from NHL.com, again, at NHL Jensen. So jump on that DraftKings contest, folks. I want to have you all in there. Uh, top prize, 100 bucks. How about that? Thank you, Domino's. $100. Top 165 spots pay out. $100 first place prize. Let's do it. Have some fun. Go to draftfree.com and play in that hockey analytics DraftKings contest. All right, we will take the break into Boston we go. James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of the Athletic Toronto to tee up Bruins Maple Leafs next here on TSN Hockey Analytics. I thought our fourth line dominated the game. I thought they were, well, they had the most chances. I thought they were really good. Whenever a coach says your fourth line was really good, he's basically saying, we have no chance to win if our fourth line was one of our best. Well, the O-Dog commenting on Mike Babcock's comment. He's not wrong. Welcome back. Wrapping up TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto. Across the TSN Radio Network on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. You can get the show on the tsn1050.ca show page or on iTunes. We'll tweet out all the links there, of course, if you missed any part of this episode or past episodes. To Boston we go. James Myrtle from The Athletic Toronto, Editor-in-Chief. James, how's it going, man? Good, Andy. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for taking the time. I know it's uh, busy for you, but listen, it's Game 5. Toronto's down 3-1. They get what could be seen as a bit of a boost. You get the return of Nazem Kadri from suspension. Is Kadri's return on its own something that could spark the Leafs lineup, or has Boston played too well for it to have that much of an impact? No, I mean, I think it for sure can have an impact. I mean, he's a 30-plus goal center. Yeah. He was one of their best defensive forwards all year. He's going to play big minutes tonight. 
you know, he can be kind of a pest as well as a threat offensively. So, which is, you know, the Leafs need to generate more offense. And that's what Mike Babcock talked a lot about here at the morning skate. Um, that's why he changed the lines up. And Kadri's going to be back with, with Marner and, and Marlowe. Um, so that line is going to be intact. And that was one of their most effective lines over the last three or four months of the season. So, you know, I think it can spark them. And I think that Kadri's going to be motivated after sitting out so long and, and potentially costing his team this series. Yeah, so it could be the X factor with Nazem Kadri. And we heard off the top Babcock and then Jeff O'Neill commenting uh, that Coach Babcock wasn't shy to praise his fourth line and only his fourth line after that fourth game. So he, he called out Austin Matthews and his linemates for missing out on a chance to dominate Boston without Patrice Bergeron in the Bruins lineup. Now, one of the great features of The Athletic is that you guys give players individual ratings after each game on a five-star scale. So if you had to grade this playoff series so far for the Leafs uh, with the young stars like Matthews, Nylander, and Marner, what grade would you be giving? Well, I, I think Marner gets an A, and the other two are... I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, Nylander, I wouldn't hesitate really to give a failing grade to, and Matthews is probably about a, a D. So, mm. you know, they need those guys to be more productive. And you look at the scoring chances generated, um, you look at the high danger scoring chances generated, and Matthews is still relatively high, but, you know, he has said multiple times that he feels like they need to get, you know, maybe tighter chances to the net um, and, and make Rask really work. Uh, to make his saves, and they feel like they haven't done that enough. So, you know, that I think you give full marks to, to Mitch Marner for the way he's played. He's been their best player in, in this whole series, and I don't think he's been a problem. The other two guys need to step up tonight. And one of those, outside of the young guns, is Freddie Anderson. Have you been able to identify anything that is specifically that has changed from him being the, the quote, steady Freddie, but in the playoffs we, we've really seen a mixed bag so far? Have you been able to point to anything? Well, I mean, he's struggled since the beginning of March. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's something right, that yeah. continued. It's something that continued from the end of the season over into the playoffs. So I wonder if it's fatigue. I mean, he did play a lot of games. He faced more shots than any other goalie in the NHL. And I wonder if that they're going to, when the Maple Leafs brass looks back and evaluates this season, if they're going to say, you know what, we need a backup that can play more games than what we were able to get out of Matt this year. Well, and that's one of the storylines we were talking about all season. Is Freddie Anderson playing too much? And so, yeah, you're right. If that is deemed as, okay, well, he, he ran out of gas, then that seems like it's, it seemed, James, like an avoidable situation. And if that's the case, that would be disappointing. Yeah, especially because they had the playoff spot clinched, and it looked like they were going to yeah. be in the Atlantic going back to late January. So, you know, you would have thought they could have got a more rest down the stretch. I don't know for sure. I mean, we know Anderson is a very, very streaky goaltender, so I don't know for sure if that's what necessarily caused him the problems, but it it, it, it would make sense. Playing 66 games in this era in the NHL and rarely using your backup, it's not really a recipe that a lot of teams are using anymore. Right, and it's that fine line between you don't want to get rusty and you want to stay in the flow, but yeah, that'll be uh, something to follow in the offseason. In conversation with James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto on Twitter, at Myrtle, joining me on the Domino's Pizza delivery line. Visit dominoes.ca for the game tonight. Uh, let's talk lines. Uh, your colleague Jonas Siegel, friend of show, of course, had a, a great headline in his latest on The Athletic. It was, should the Leafs break the glass and put Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews together in game five. Now, we looked at the 
lines so far that Siegel tweeted out. Uh, that in particular has not happened, at least to start the game. Uh, what do you think of the, 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 the little bit of a mix that Babcock has done to the line for tonight? I mean, it's it's interesting that he's going with lines that we haven't really seen very much of this season. You know, so the lineup's going to be the Kadri line is intact from what we saw at the end of the year, but Connor Brown's going to be playing with Matthews and Zach Hyman, and uh, Andreas Janssen gets bumped up with Plakanich and William Nylander, and then it's Kapanen that's going to be playing with JVR and Bozak. So, you know, to me that says that JVR, Bozak, and Kapanen are the new fourth line. They're not going to play a whole lot. Plakanich gets bumped up. Johnson gets bumped up, and they both get to play with Nylander and hopefully potentially generate some offense from that line. It'll be interesting to see. I think what you're gonna, what the Leafs are gonna try and do is use Brown and Hyman, dump the puck in, try and turn Char around, get in behind him and get the puck, and then throw it out front to Matt, Austin Matthews and mm-hmm. get some of those grittier goals that we were talking about. So, I think the thinking is that they're not gonna be able to generate offense on Matthews' line with finesse just with how good McAvoy and Chara have been. And, you know, that, that does make some sense. And, you know, what Babcock said is that it's going to be fluid. And, you know, he's going he's gonna to change his lines based on what he's seeing happening at the beginning of the game and, and how things are going. And that obviously makes some sense. And, James, uh, last one for you here. As a whole, the quality of the Leafs team, still young, way ahead of the rebuild, we know all that, but to crawl out of a 3-1 series hole – is is the fact that they have a, a highly qualified head coach who's been through it all, like Babcock, is that what they're going to lean on? Is it the, the offense waking up? Like, How do they claw out? Do you think they have the, the mental makeup as much as the physical to overcome this? I think what they have to do is look at the, how they've played in Games 3 and Games 4. They're their two best games of the series. I mean, they've essentially been getting better as the series has gone on. Yeah. Throw out 1 and 2 and say, you know what? We can argue that we were the better team in games three and four. Let's continue to build on that and continue to play that way. We were, I think they had the second or third best record over the last three months of the regular season, better than even the Bruins. They beat Boston three times this year. They've got a lot of positives in their favor. They just need to play better than they have so far in this series. All right, James, appreciate the time. Enjoy Boston tonight. And, hey, for Leaf fans, let's hope that there's a game six. Okay, thanks, Andy. Thanks, bud. James Myrtle, Editor-in-Chief of The Athletic Toronto, live from Boston, on Twitter, at Myrtle. All right, folks, that'll do it for another episode. Reminder, get in on our Hockey Analytics DraftKings contest. Go to DraftFree.com. Let's have some fun Saturday on Saturday's games here. Go through the tiers. Pick your team. Cash prize, 100 bucks. First place, top 165 spots payout. Going to be a lot of fun. That's thanks to Domino's and DraftKings there. So DraftFree.com. Thank you to all of our guests. So for producer, Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto.